We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Forgive me for my part. We're going to go to the book of John chapter 2 and verse number 7. And uh, for whoever announced it, thank you. You're awesome. And uh, John 2 and 7 going to read one verse there Jesus saith unto them fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim there was a commandment and they followed and then anybody that knows scripture knows what happens next we're not going to read it right now but we'll hit this one one more time Jesus saith unto them Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for what you're going to do in this place tonight. I ask you to touch us, bless us, heal us, renew us. Lord, let us have another step in the right direction. Lord, just let us continue to build off of what already happened here on this past Sunday. What a beautiful day you gave us here. Just ask you to bless us tonight. Let this first Wednesday of the year be rem- remarkable. Let it be memorable to us all. We'll give you all the praise. Thank you for anointing and for strength. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's love him together one more time. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you and I'll share a title with you few moments. It was July the 2nd of 1982 and uh, as I as I studying today and was trying to put a, a story uh, with this, something that could kind of bring us to, uh, to, to modern society. Sometimes we look at scripture and we say, yeah, but that was then and people feel different and are different and think different now, but there's really not a whole lot of difference and God is the exact same. It's people only that have changed. But I shared this story back in 2016 uh, with you, and uh, I want to share it here again tonight. It was the second day of July 1982 when a very frustrated 33-year-old Larry Walter from Southern California had flunked out of flight school for the U.S. Air Force pilot program. He was very offended. He was very bothered by this because it wasn't that he hadn't studied. It wasn't that he wasn't sharp. It wasn't that he was not smart. It was that when it come right down to them releasing the controls of a fighter jet to Larry, his vision was not well enough. And so he failed out. There was nothing that could be done. He was so upset about this failure that He admittedly, he said, I had become delusional in my own mind. He said, it's all I ever wanted to do was was fly. He said, I just wanted to be in control of of that uh, incredible power. And he said, it was always a lifelong dream. And to get that far at 33 years old and then to be told it can't work. He said, it done something to my thinking. He said, I did not know what to do, where to go. I didn't know how to find the answers to the questions that life was giving to me. So he got in his car that morning, that second day of the month, and he went to Sears and Roebuck. 
How about that? And he bought himself an aluminum lawn chair with nylon cross straps. How about that? That's a little history. He then proceeded to fill up 42 weather balloons with helium. And he filled up as many two-liter water bottles as he had with water. He tied those bottles to the bottom of that newly purchased lawn chair. He packed up a bag full of sandwiches, a pellet pistol, a 12-pack of light beer, and he attached a battery-powered CB radio to the chair. His goal was to fly. He just wanted to fly. And in his own, in his own words, he said, I, I, I'm certain I was delusional. He said, but I had to be in control of a flight. It was all he ever wanted to do was to run a vessel. And so he said he had, he had done the math. He tried to figure it all out, but he was not sure how fast he would ascend with all of these 32 uh, big, large helium weather balloons. Uh, at one time, he had tied some, uh, some rope down to uh, the ground stakes so that it could not leave the ground as he was putting it together. He said he wasn't sure how fast it would ascend. He said, that's why I brought the pellet pistol. He said, if it went too fast, I'd shoot out a helium balloon. He said, if I was still going too fast, I'd shoot another and another until I got to where I, I needed to be. And so he named his aircraft Inspiration One. And he was ready. Larry was ready to fly. His plan was to fly 30 feet. He just wanted to go 30 feet. He said it was a mildly windy day, and he wanted to get into that little bit of wind. And he said, I wanted to just fly across the desert, and then I'd start shooting these balloons and, and come down at my own pace, and I would have been the pilot for a moment. He had no idea what was about to happen. He cut the first couple of ropes, and he said when he cut the last rope, he said Inspiration One bolted off the driveway at 1,000 feet per second to a staggering 16,000 feet. <laughs> he said before he could gather his thoughts, he was flying fast and high at 1,000 feet per minute. Upon cutting his last tether strap, his eyeglasses fell off, which is what caused him to fail in the first place. And he said, so now I couldn't see much. And he said, I'm rising fast. He suddenly found himself in a situation that he said he had never imagined. But being the man he was, he didn't panic. He had military training and such. And he, he just let it fly out. He thought it was pretty incredible from what he could see with his uh, challenge sight. Everything was fine until a TWA flight coming into Los Angeles International Airport spotted Larry. The captain got so close that he radioed in, I'm looking at a man in a lawn chair with a pistol flying beside me. True story. Go, go study it up. And he turned this in, and what Larry didn't realize is that he was going to go so fast and so far that he would be in the direct flight paths of LAX airport. And Larry had drifted right into that pattern. Ninety minutes after his liftoff and several pellet shots later, he landed in San Pedro, California, and uh, he 
landed safely, although entangled in electrical lines. He was only five feet off the ground, and he was safe in the Long Beach, California area. There in Long Beach, they said that Larry had a huge reception, a huge reception. They said it was incredible. Everybody there in an LAPD uniform, and they took Larry straight to jail. After his booking, he was interviewed by the press because this had made quite a story, this thing flying in the path of LAX flights and uh, the story. Nobody knew what it was or who it was or what it was about. It was a, an unregistered flight, and on so many other levels, the law had been broken. And Larry began to tell his crushing story of rejection from the U.S. military, namely the Air Force and even more so the pilot program and uh, he said, I, I made my mind up. I wasn't just going to sit at home and die. And then he stated emphatically, sometimes you just got to do something. And I want to preach to you for just a little bit. You got to do something. You got to do something. And so it brings us to this reading in John. And we'll go from the beginning now to and verse number 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkings apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Oh, what a message right here. This is an awesome passage that uh, not only because this is the first noted miracle, it's the first uh, message miracle that we know in the life and times of, of the God-man, Jesus Christ, but because he clearly done something here that on a vast majority of the rest of his miracles he did not do, and here's what it is. He refused to work alone. Oh, I'm going to show you something here. In those days, the wedding feast was only second. What I could find in my studies was only second to the coronation of a king or monarchy or the complete destruction of an enemy. So a wedding feast was a very important thing. It, it, it started out a young family. It, it, uh, it noted who they were, who their families were. There was a lot of pride taken. Some weddings could take 30 to 40 days and people would travel in caravans across deserts and across seas and all 
all over everywhere to see certain people married. And such was the day of the first miracle of Jesus Christ. And I think you can go back to what is called the law of first mention. If there's ever something you don't have an answer to, generally speaking, I won't say always, but generally speaking, you go to the Bible and you find out how it's mentioned the first time and how it was handled. And if you're dealing with it, all you know to do is go back to the law of first mention. And so what we're talking about here tonight is the law of first mention. The first miracle that Jesus does openly for the people, he refuses to do it by himself. We need some of us to get back to the law of first mention. We, we, we have things happen in our life sometimes and we just sit there unlike Larry. And we let our dreams die. We let our hopes die. We let our, our mind beat us uh, down to, to, to virtually nothing and take us to low and deep places. When sometimes the Lord is just saying, you got to do something. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I'm already in tomorrow. I was in yesterday. I'll be there when you get there, but you got to do something. And so I want us to understand that the, the worst possible thing had happened. And so uh, the mother of Jesus, Mary, says, uh, do whatever he says, do. And, and Jesus makes it known here that he was not ready at that moment. It wasn't something he was going to do. But out of the honor of his mother and because she had already spoke in faith that even Jesus may have changed his own plan. Sometimes... The faith of a person will cause the Lord to act in ways he wouldn't have acted. Matter of fact, the Bible said he would have passed the blind man. He would have passed the blind man. But the blind man got his attention. And I want to tell you, there's some things the Lord would do in our lives if we would do something first. Too many of us are sitting with our hand here and we're saying, Lord, we want a revival in 24, but I don't want to tell nobody about you. I don't want to invite nobody to church. I don't want to invest in nothing. And I feel the Holy Ghost is telling us for the year of 2024, we're going to have to invest something to get something. We can invest the least to return the most. This is exactly what has happened here. It could have brought a lifetime of embarrassment and negative conversation. It was so important that this particular thing had the ability to tarnish the very couple that were being married. They could have been uh, the, the stock of every joke and the laugh of every situation and snide remarks made. Modern day tweets and TikTok videos and such would have happened. But somebody called on Jesus. I'm going to tell you, when you call on Jesus and you do what he says do, he's always going to give you what you need. Watch this right here. There's a few other notable miracles that are pretty incredible. They're all incredible, but things that, that absolutely nobody else could have done anything about. When Jesus walked on water, he didn't need anybody. No one could have helped him. He was showing that he was God robed in flesh. That was an incredible miracle, but nobody could do anything. When he opened the eyes of the blind, no one else could have done anything except on a couple of occasions of calling out and the one man washing. That's the only thing that could be done but to the actual miracle nothing to raise the dead back to life what did the dead have to do with that he didn't ask for it he wasn't there on any occasion Lazarus wasn't in the tomb praying 
These were things that the Lord just done because they needed to be done. The cleansing of the leper, they couldn't do anything. There wasn't a medication. There was nothing that could happen. But Jesus said, I will do that, and I will do that all by myself. He took these miracles personal. But in this first miracle, in the first law of mention, Jesus Christ tells the bridegroom who we are today, if you want what you ought to have at the end of this thing, you got to do your part. I'm just not going going to force a miracle on you. I'm not going to force a revival on you. I'm not going to force the Holy Ghost on you. I'm not going to force your children to be baptized. You are going to have to do what you can do. Oh. Oh, I'm trying not to get too excited, but I don't ever disrespect my dad. I mean, I really don't, believe that or not. I know I cut him from the pulpit, but we're, we're friends. If we weren't as close as we are he come in earlier, and I told him, I said, man, I'm just, I'm just weak. I just wish I could get this strength. I've been good for some days now, but I just, I just feel weak. And he, he said, well, just, just kind of take it easy. I knew what he meant, and I said, now, Dad, you and I both know that's ignorant. You felt, you felt anointing. You know what it's like to stand behind a pulpit and the Lord pour a pitcher of anointing on you, and then you try to behave. You know, there could be some consequences, but he tried. But I, 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 want, you, I want you to know something. Sometimes you got to do something or the enemy can put you in a place and God won't do anything about it. I mean, if you just want to die lost, if you just want to be sick, if you just choose to be unhealthy, if you just choose to make decisions that cause you to be down and out all the time and keep taking the wrong path, the Lord will allow you to stay in that. He won't force you. One of the, one of the, one of the most incredible stories that I personally was ever involved in, I'll, I'll try to do my best to tell it very quick. My uh, Missy and I, are, our first home that... Uh, I've told you about a lot of times we paid $11,000 for it. That tells you a whole lot about its value there. Uh, but it wasn't worth anything. Matter of fact, when, when they went to, to value the house, they didn't value anything on the property but the trees. <laughs> True fact. It, was, it should have been demolished, but we, we brought our kids home to that. They learned to walk there and so on and so forth. A lot of the story. But we bought that home. It was about 100 yards from the church, maybe 120 from the church building itself, just probably 40 yards from the parking lot. I could, I could throw a football to it. I had many times. And uh, so there we were uh, one evening, and I, I started feeling the, the need to go to the church and pray. And we were out in the country where there was nobody. The closest town to us had 1,500 people in it. And uh, so we were, uh, somebody used to say, you pipe sunshine in out here, don't y'all? And so we were in the middle of nowhere, young in ministry, and uh, I felt the need one night about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to just walk across to the, to the church and pray. And in those days, I don't know about now over there, but in those days, the church was never locked. The entire years I was there, I never had a key to the church. I don't, I don't know if there was any key. Did you ever have a key? Pastor there 15 years and didn't have a key to the church. So there you go. And so uh, it was just one of those types of situations and settings. And, but I, I walked over, and the way the building was designed, there, there was the foyer, and that was a set of uh, exterior doors that, that come outward. And then there was uh, the foyer and the inward doors, and this was before rebuilding and remodeling and, and so on and so forth. And 
But the doors into the auditorium would swing both ways, uh, you know, coming or going. And uh, they had that little weather stripping. And when you pulled that door open and let it go, when you got 10 or 15, maybe 20 feet into the church, you'd hear, you ever, you ever been in them doors? And so it was this particular night. I was young in ministry, wanted to go pray, felt the need to talk to the Lord and I could take you just exactly where, where I was at if that building was still standing. It's since been demolished and a new one built. But uh, I was just about maybe four feet to, uh, to the right, my left of the pulpit. And I was sitting right here and I was praying and I was, I was having a hard time just feeling anything. And I was by myself. It's dark. There's one little light on in the baptistry and uh, big old long, long building. Some of you have seen it before, but... Uh, I was sitting there and uh, I, I was praying and I, I was getting ready to go somewhere for a three or four day revival and Missy and I had started traveling a little bit and I felt, uh, I, I felt like I've got to have a breakthrough right here. I, I can't just sit here, you know, I, I, got, I, I got to do something. And so I, I started to pray and uh, I, I really thought I was feeling something and so I started walking from side to side and uh, I, I was by myself and uh, you know, and it's dark, and it's just, you just have to, the whole thing was just kind of a, a strange feeling, and uh, I got back over here to where I'd originally started praying, and I was really having a breakthrough, and I just knew I was going to this place over in, in Mississippi to preach uh, for two weeks, I think Thursday through Sunday, and it was going to be a great time, and I was all prepared, and while I was praying, I heard, And it startled me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning by myself. And I looked back and I didn't see anything. And so I kept praying and I decided I'd walk again and speak with authority, you know. And, and I was young and, and, and ready to fight hell all by myself. And uh, so there I was and all of a sudden this cold, just, just cold came over me. It was just a... Just an icy, chilly feeling that, that, that came up the center aisle. There was, there was only a middle and two outside aisles, but, and I was just to the side of it. and it, it, I could feel it pressing on me, and, and I would try to take a step towards that direction, and it was challenging, and, and, and my space was, was being encroached on. I couldn't move anymore from the sides. It kind of closed in. From in front of me, it kind of closed in. And, and the next thing I knew, I, I was standing right here all by myself, just bound, and I, I knew that the enemy was challenging my ability to pray through that moment. I could feel that, and it and it was pressing, it was closing in. It, uh, I was being constricted like a like a, a snake on prey, and I could just feel the enemy just shutting me down. and And I, I started to I started to cry, and I started to shout, and I started to clap, and I couldn't do anything at all. I was just I was just there, and and I, I felt I said, Lord. What am I going to do? I mean, what? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And I, I'm thinking and I'm feeling it's the first time I'd ever felt this, this terrible cold hand of the enemy just holding me down. And, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, you just got to do something. You just got to do something. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Brother Jarek, I, I, I didn't have no fancy prayers. I wasn't in my suit. I wasn't in no fancy clothes. Matter of fact, I was in a sweatpants and T-shirt. It's the middle of the night and I'm alone. And, and finally, I just stood to my feet and, and I just said, Jesus. And I got just enough room where I felt like I could move. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And I took a step and it was hard and challenging. And another one and the Holy Ghost said, just do it. Just do it. And I began to say, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not my father. You won't control me. You won't run my life. You won't squeeze my prayer meeting. And I walked all the way back down that aisle about 30 or 40 steps. And if I'm standing here alive to the best of the way I remember the conversation to the enemy. I heard and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost fell in that room and the Lord said sometime you just gotta do something for yourself. You Somebody needs to hear me right now. Hell wants to bottle you up and shut you down but you gotta do something for yourself. Somebody ought to do it right now. Let the sick say I am healed. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the hungry say I am fed. Somebody ought to do it right now. The enemy's challenged you not to worship. He said you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything because you hadn't done anything. Sometimes you gotta just do something. I want somebody to hear me. If you'll allow the Spirit of the Lord to lead you and guide you when hell itself has you corralled, nothing can maintain when you begin to speak the name of Jesus with Holy Ghost authority and Holy Ghost power. Some folks come in the church and they're in a while and all of a sudden they don't feel anything anymore and they say, what happened to my, my church walk? Is it the preaching? Is it the singing? Is it the people around me? What's going on? Should I find me? No, I'm gonna tell you what happened. When you came in the first time, you was hungry enough to eat any meal that was served but now you're finicky about what you eat and picky about what you take in when you get back to a point to where you say God I'll do whatever it takes to feel what you let me feel then and then alone some of us need to be like Larry get almost to the earth what the world would call delusional and say I'm going to do whatever it takes to fly again don't you know there was already air in those pots don't you know those were just clay pots wasn't anything special about them they weren't anointed holy they hadn't they hadn't been through the whoo They hadn't been through the tabernacle and washed in the laver and splattered by the blood and prayed over by the priest. They were just old clay pots, but they were empty. And Jesus said, there's air in them. I could turn the air into wine and these people wouldn't understand the making of a miracle. 
He could heal you right now even if you didn't know you were sick and you wouldn't understand the making of a miracle. Sometimes, that's why he said, if you'll repent, I'll forgive you. If you'll be baptized in my name, submerged in water, buried, I will fill you with a, he could fill anybody he wants to, but you've got to do something. There's a certain degree of expectation I wish my marriage would work out. Well, quit cussing them every time they come home. I wish the neighbors could get along. Quit shooting their cats. You know, I don't know. All I'm saying is sometimes to change tomorrow, we got to do something today. Come on. just old clay pots it's just air it's just water it's water I looked it up and I've given the definition hundreds of times over the last almost 14 years now right here but here's what I'm telling you the word water right there is the same water as Hodor it's what Jesus walked on it's what Jesus was baptized in and now it's what is turned into wine it's just what they drunk it's what they swam in it's what they washed their clothes in it wasn't holy water it hadn't traveled down through the priesthood and had the finger of some great man dipped in it no it was just water and they said if you'll take this old thing this clay pot that's not special and put water in it that's not special and bring it back to a God that is special something somebody needs to hear me you gotta do something it would seem radical for me to stand and clap your hands it would seem radical for me to make an aisle uh, march around the aisle it would seem radical for me to get out but sometimes God is looking for you to do something that's outside of the ordinary he doesn't turn water into wine every day he doesn't raise the dead every day but those that do something to see it happen they get to experience that Sister Gigi, when you called me in a frantic, I truly believe in everything in me that Josh was having a heart attack. He was having every sign of it, and by the time they got him there, when it was all said and done, turned out to be something not anything like that or any sickness. I want to tell you what I believe happened. Somebody said it may be radical to call on people to pray. It may be radical, Sister Laura, to make a Facebook post. It may be a radical thing, but when we get the attention of God, he'll use the common things to shake up eternity I want to do something this year First Corinthians 1 and 27 but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are what am I telling you He's, Paul is telling the church in the first writing to the, to the church at Corinth here's what he's saying If you'll just give God what man sees as common. When an uncommon God touches a common material, the God don't change, the material changes. 
Isn't it interesting you can pile a world of sinners on top of a perfect God and he's no less perfect but the sinners change? That's because we serve a God that he's not just all power, he is power. Power comes from him. Any power that's given to heaven or earth, the power of the winds and waves and fire and earthquake and volcano, it's all held in the hand of God. He is the source of power. Everything else is a resource. Got to do something. I don't know who it is. Who, who sings that song? It just, just right now, just flashed my mind. The song starts out. He said, I look at the world and I see all the hunger and the lost and say, God, you got to do something. And he said, I did. I created you. Go feed them. Go take care of them. Go settle it. Go witness to them. You're sitting here telling me I should have done something. I made you to do that something. You're my tool. Now make yourself available. Get yourself full. There's all kind of debates on it from 78 to 98% I've read. But people, when it all comes down to it and we go from dust to dust, the first thing that will leave our bodies will be water. The vast majority of our weight will be gone. All that moisture is gone. The rest of it will return back to dust. That's a biblical and a scientific agreement. So here's what I want you to see. The very first miracle that Jesus Christ ever used to maybe save a family, to maybe put a young family on the right track, to maybe put things in order for his own future and for the sake of his mother and those that were there, what he'd done is he just took clay He said, now, if you'll go fill it with just plain old water and bring it into my presence. I like this. What did he turn it into? Turn it into wine. When the Holy Ghost fell, the Bible said what fell was new wine. He took them clay pots called people that were just full of old humanity, water, and he filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost until such a way that wine began to, rivers of living water began to flow. I want somebody to hear me. When you bring your old normal pot of water and say, Jesus, have your way, something's gonna change, but you gotta do something. When you're ready, Sister Beckham, I'm ready. I wonder if there's anybody in this building right now that you've just felt subdued tonight, the last week, the last couple of weeks, the peak of excitement of living for God. Hell has tried to steal it from you. But if you'd stand to your feet right now, let me tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. If you'll stand to your feet and get out of your comfort zone and present that old clay pot full of water, what does it mean by being full of water? It's just got to be alive. That's all. Just an old clay pot that's alive. It still holds something. He's in this place to do something special right now. Like Larry Walter, the world has failed you. Your previous program let you down. Somebody else said you weren't good enough to achieve and to accomplish. But you can't just sit there and die. It may be a little radical, but you got to do something. You can't just sit in the driveway until time passes you by. 
just when you're ready, sister. I, I told I told Missy two or three, four days back now. I hadn't had any fever in a good many days and everything was fine. I was feeling good except for a cough. Just was lingering and I I was just sitting there. Sat there in the chair, turned the electric blanket on, leaned back, checked the emails, checked the text messages, pray for some of y'all, pray for all of you, but some of you individually as you text with needs and situations and dawned on me and I couldn't even get it finished I couldn't even get it out of my mouth I said you know what I believe I believe I could just sit right here and die I believe I could just sit right here and die I'm not hungry I don't feel like getting out I don't want to play golf. I don't want to go to a gun range. I don't want to get on a motorcycle. I don't want to get, I don't want to do nothing. I could just sit right here and die. I truly believe I could just sit here and die. And the enemy then jumped on that mentality and said, yes, that's probably what will happen. Come on. I'll tell you something. You can throw in the towel. You can find a good place to exit. You can do whatever it is you want to do. I'm going to promise you what I feel right now under an anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's not just for one or two. But if you're in this building tonight, if you're somewhere home watching, on the job, listening, got this playing in your earbuds somewhere, some prison cell somewhere, there's a better day coming, but it's not going to happen. If you just sit there and mope about your current condition. Well, I'm just not what I used to be. No, nobody is. But it don't mean you can't have a move of the Holy Ghost greater than what you've ever had in your life. I want the singers and musicians to come. I know the ones that sung the special parts to that last song that we sung are are out of the room or tending to other jobs somewhere else on the campus. But I want you to know right now that as they begin to play and sing, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to give you a challenge. First opportunity I've had this year. I'm going to challenge you to do something. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's going to happen if you don't. You're going to leave maybe at best saying that was a good word and you might even say that encouraged me. But if that's all you do, you'll leave just like you came. But when they begin to sing, if you'll do something, well, I can't start a victory march. Okay, we've got some elders in here that can't. Maybe shouldn't even try. But I'll tell you what you could do. You could lift both of your hands up as high as you can get them. And you could begin to talk to the Lord out loud in a church service like you hadn't done in a long time, if ever. You could begin to tell Him how much you love Him and how much you're going to serve Him in this 2024 that He's allowed us to be in. 
Nobody was promised this year. We're here because He wanted us to be here. We're here because He needed us to be here. If He didn't need us, He'd already discarded us. But there's a job to do. We got to do something. I'm going to invite them to begin to sing. I'm just going to challenge you right now. Come to an altar. Bow down before the Lord. Walk around the building and praise Him. Thank you, Facebook watchers. Thank you, thank you. Come on.